Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, with this week we resume ordinary time and the church gives us the rather extraordinary story of the wedding feast at Cana. Marvelously told, of course, and filled with theological richness. But you know, in a way this story has puzzled people up and down the ages because it's the first of Jesus' great signs in John's Gospel. The word he uses for miracle typically is sign. There's a whole series of signs that indicate his divinity and the first one is this miracle at Cana. And here's why people have found it curious. So the first indication of the divinity of Jesus is he provides more wine in a wedding reception. <laughs> it seems just a little bit mundane. It wasn't a, a, you know, a nature miracle like the calming of the storm at sea. It wasn't the raising of the dead. It was providing more, you know, uh, alcoholic spirits at a wedding reception. So people wonder what is going on there. Well, as always, especially with John, we have to read this with very biblical lenses in front of our eyes. See, when these people are, are writing, the, the audience they're assuming is one that really knows the scriptures, and they assume they know how to read these uh, signs and symbols. And the church today gives us the interpretive key because the first reading for today is taken from the prophet Isaiah. And it's the Lord now speaking to his people in the most extraordinary way. Look at all the religions and philosophies of the world, religious philosophies and so on, that God or the gods expect to be you know, honored, expect to be worshipped, that they expect to have sacrifices made to them. That seems a matter of course. Then there's this God that discloses himself to Israel. Listen, as a young man marries a young woman, so your builder will marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will God rejoice over you. Boy, if those words have become uh, overly familiar, shame on us, because those are breathtaking words. Again, you know, God up there, out there to be honored and to be feared and so on, and his law obeyed. And, and of course, there's, there's something to all of that, even in the Bible. Then there's this. This is God now speaking to us as people. As a young man marries a young woman, so your builder, the one who built the cosmos, your builder, the one that fashioned you, wants to marry you. That means he wants to enter into the most loving and intimate and life-giving relationship that we can imagine. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, think of a, you know, two young kids get married and there's the bridegroom just delighting in, in the beauty and goodness of his bride. That's how God feels about us. <laughs> Extraordinary, isn't it? Us, these little, these little creatures on planet Earth with all of our flaws and all of our foibles and imperfections, but 
our builder, our creator wants to marry us. Ah, now we begin to see why the first of Jesus' signs takes place at a wedding. He himself is the coming together of divinity and humanity. There's a wonderful phrase the church fathers use, the admirable connubium. It means the admirable marriage of heaven and earth, of God and humanity that takes place in Jesus. God who announces through Isaiah, I want to come and marry my people. Well, well, he's now come to do just that. Jesus is the bridegroom, we hear in Paul, don't we? And the church is the bride. And so, yes, indeed, he expresses the first sign of his divinity at a wedding. Of course he does. Now, listen to how this story begins. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Every word matters. On the third day, now you're a Christian hearing this story. What are you thinking of right away? The third day, the third day, that's resurrection day. This is a story about resurrection, about the resurrected life. There's a wedding. That's all this stuff I've just been talking about. There's a wedding. Ah, wedding. Yahweh wants to marry his people. It's in Cana of Galilee. Jesus says to his disciples after the resurrection, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Beautiful Galilee. If you've ever been there, gorgeous countryside, the Sea of Galilee. Jesus appearing on the, on the seashore. It's resurrection country. And who's there in this resurrection space but the mother of Jesus and the disciples of Jesus? That's the church. Mary, the mother of the church, the disciples, evocative of the gathered 12 tribes of Israel. The church is the new Israel. You see, the point here is, symbolically speaking, we're in the space of the church. The community of the disciples of Jesus with the mother of Jesus in their midst and gathered in this resurrection space of Galilee. It's the church. It's the church where this story is going to unfold. Isn't that marvelous? John especially. Every detail matters. Now, we hear that the couple has run out of wine. Now, I know every commentator says this. You probably heard a hundred homilies on it. That these wedding celebrations went on for days in this time and place. So it wasn't like, you know, we, we might have long wedding receptions that last into the wee small hours, but theirs went on for days. And the key, in many ways, to the festivity was the presence of wine that's lifting up the spirits of the people. So the wine running out is not a minor problem. It's not so like, oh, yeah, no problem. The wine's gone. Well, let's just now turn to water or let's serve iced tea or something. No, the wine running out meant the party's going to come to an end. All right, now read it with biblical eyes. Wine. This alcoholic beverage that lifts up the psyche, sure, but it's also symbolic now in the Bible of the divine life. The divine life that lifts us up, that intoxicates us, raises the spirit. They're running out of wine. Well, that's Israel in its sin. That's the human race in its sin. Divorced from God, divorced from the divine life, running out of grace. Therefore, how beautiful Mary intervenes 
to say to her divine son, they have no more wine. Now, it, yes, it's, it's Mary at that wedding feast at Cana pointing out this, this fact, they're running out of wine. But again, read it symbolically, read it spiritually. Mary stands for Israel at its best. Mary sums up, in a way, all of the, of the prophets and the patriarchs of Israel. She expresses in this line the ancient longing of that people. Lord, when? When will you come? O come, O come, Emmanuel. When, when, Lord? Why do you delay? Look at the, the psalmist. Mary gives expression in this line to all of that, the holy longing of the people of Israel. They're out of wine. They have no more wine. They're out of the divine life. And then it's her valedictory. It's the last word she says in the Bible. She turns to the diakonoi, the, the table servers, and she says, do whatever he tells you. Listen to me now. What's the key to wine, to the divine life? It's doing whatever he tells us. For God's sake, I mean that literally, ancient Israel, we the new Israel, the human race, what's our problem? We don't do what he tells us to do. Go right back to Adam and Eve. He gives a command, but they see it their way. They don't listen. When does Israel go off the rails? When they don't abide by the word of God. And so Mary, summing up ancient Israel, says to the diakonoi, but says to us, please do whatever he tells you. Okay. So Jesus says, all right, take those six stone jars, those huge jars for purification, and fill them to the brim with water. Beautiful details here. The church fathers love this. Is Jesus going to make wine appear just out of thin air? Uh-uh. It's typical. He wants our cooperation. Just as when he fed the 5,000, hey, what, what do you have? Bring me what you have. And they bring the loaves and fishes. And then he multiplies them. So here, hey, you contribute. What do you have? Well, fill up these jars with water. Here's how the church fathers read that. Think of those jars now filled to the brim with water as all that we bring to the table. Think of it as, as art and science and, and philosophy and, and politics and, and friendship and conversation, all these different forms of human flourishing. God doesn't despise that. Rather what? He wants to take all of that and now lift it up to a higher pitch. He wants to transform and transfigure nature not destroy it. There's a beautiful line from St. Thomas Aquinas which has become fundamental in the tradition. Thomas says, gratia supponit et perficit naturam. That means grace, the divine life, presupposes and perfects nature. Doesn't despise it, doesn't destroy it, doesn't work apart from it, but rather takes nature, what we bring to the table, all of our achievements and accomplishments, and then the Lord can transform that water into intoxicating wine. 
Look, is our science enough to satisfy the deepest longing of our heart? No, but, but if I bring it to Christ and let him elevate it and transfigure it, is my philosophy enough to satisfy me? No, but let me bring it to him. Is, is my, uh, are my political moves and machinations enough to, to satisfy and, and, and make, make uh, fulfill the human race? Well, no, but bring them to Christ and watch him elevate them and transform them from water into wine. Here's a beautiful observation from St. Augustine. He says, look, the miracles of Christ don't violate nature. They rather heighten and intensify nature. And he uses this as an example. He said, look, water becomes wine all the time, doesn't it? So rainwater uh, falls and it then uh, invigorates the, um, the, the vines, which then give rise to the grapes which are then harvested and crushed and they're fermented and they become wine. Water becomes wine all the time, but in a very elongated process. What did Jesus do? He didn't violate that. He just sped it up and intensified it. Again, grace doesn't despise nature. It supposes and perfects it. So there's the point, everybody. Bring what you have, fill it to the brim and then hand it over to Christ, and you'll find the intoxicating grace that you're looking for. Here's the last point. How much wine's produced? Well, we heard about these um, six stone jars, each holding 30 gallons, so we got ourselves 180 gallons of wine. That's a lot of wine. There are a lot of numbers in John's Gospel. They're usually over the top. How many fish? 153 fish are brought in. Remember that story. How many pounds of spices to anoint the, the body of Jesus? 100 pounds, over the top, more than you'd ever need. So here, 180 gallons. What does it stand for? It stands for the wild excess of the divine life. When you tap into the grace of God, you find it increasing in you. 30 and 60 and 100 fold. Listen, when you bring the water, you bring what you have and you give it to Christ, you're going to find it elevated, intensified, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Yes, up to 180 gallons. Lastly, we hear in the Old Testament that when the Messiah comes, the very hills will run with wine. He's the bridegroom, the church is the bride. He's come to marry his people. He's also the long-awaited Messiah. And when that Messiah comes, Isaiah tells us, he will spread out a great banquet where there will be juicy meats and, and pure choice wine. It's happened, everybody. It's happened. What Isaiah longed for happened. The bridegroom came, and he's laid out for us at this wedding feast at Cana, a banquet of juicy meat and of the finest wine, indeed 180 gallons of it, so the very hills will run with it. There's the good news of this gospel, and God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.